So last week, one of the points that I, that I talked about is um, that Jesus was all about revealing the Father. And so we're going to review that just a tiny bit. Um, but we're going to talk with how we know the Father. And like I mentioned earlier, if you, if you got the, the text, in Zoomers, everybody, be prepared to share with me how it is that you, something that you know about the Father. Um, the way you think about Him, the way He relates to you. Uh, just just something that, that, that has been revealed to you about the Father because it's really important. Because I want us to focus a little bit on how we know the Father. So, if you remember, uh, I just used the example that at every stage of Jesus' life and ministry, it was about the Father. The first recorded words that He spoke... Uh, as a little boy, was explaining to his mom and dad when they were upset and they challenged him on why he stayed back, was, why did you seek me? Did you not know that it was necessary for me to be in the home of my father? And, you know, their their uh, anxiety was certainly well-founded because it was three days or something like that before they were able to find him in there. But I'd, I'd never thought of it before, but this is the first record of Jesus speaking as... And in, as the incarnate word. And he was talking about his father. The last words that he said in his life before death and resurrection was to the father. And you can't make too much out of a, you know, bracketing something like that, but it's a fact. It's a fact. He said, you know, uh, father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And obviously, you know, he talked about the father a ton. The first things that he said on rising from the dead was to Mary outside the tomb. And it was about his father. He said, hey, don't, don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to the father, but I want you to go tell my brothers, uh, I ascend to my father and to your father and to my God and your God. And then just to make sure that the scope of the thing makes sense to us and that, that it's okay for me to say, that Jesus was, in fact, all about revealing the Father. Um, at eternity's completion, the very last thing He does is for the Father. And it's with the Father in mind. It says, Then the full completion, and when He delivers the kingdom to Him who is God and Father, when He renders every principality and every authority and power ineffectual, so that God may be all in all. So, what I, what I want us to do is just just be impacted by the fact that the first words of the young Jesus that we have recorded in the Scripture was the explanation that he had to be about his father's business and his father's home. The last words that he uttered on the cross were to his father. Statement of trust and commitment. The first thing he talked about when he rose from the dead that we have recorded was to Mary about ascending to the Father and then going and telling the disciples. And then the amazing truth that he, he set the stage there for saying, I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Wow! Wow! And then, in the, in the bracket of that, you can think of all that Jesus taught after resurrection, all that He taught before resurrection, as the Father sent me, so send I you, 
That's in John 20. Uh, just over and over and over again, Jesus' preoccupation was with the Father. Now, Jesus, so I think it's safe to say that Jesus came to reveal the Father. His Father and our Father. And I believe that we don't make as big a deal of that as it probably is. Because we're tempted and we give ourselves permission to think of all kind of alternatives. Uh, to think not of, think on all kinds of alternatives. Like if you ask a lot of people, why did Jesus come? They would say, to die for our sins. Jesus did die for our sins, and I'm not trying to minimize that. But he came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God. Absolutely. He did. But I've been a part of ministry that was all built around the proclamation of the kingdom of God. And in the areas where there was a deficit in understanding the Father and His love, it turned weird. Or it turned into a work. It turned into a pressure. It turned into something that we we had to try to do to prove something. And so I just... I want us to be super conscious of the fact that Jesus came with the intent of revealing the Father. And that if you think about that, and and if you begin to, to believe that He was successful at doing that, then that changes everything about, about doctrine and about how you interpret the Scripture and about what you expect of God. So, knowing the Father is Jesus' primary gift to us. I'm making that statement. I know it's up for debate, but uh, I would love to sit and and talk sometime with somebody who says, well, the primary gift he gave us is forgiveness. Or the primary gift... But I think all those are subsets of the Father. When Jesus starts talking in John 17, his thing is that, that they may be one as we're one, so the world will know, the cosmos will know, that you sent me and that you love them with the love you love me with. Not about the mechanics of the kingdom. Those are great. But about, about the Father's love for us, the Father's heart towards us, the Father's... And, and that's why the thing about childness and thinking of our, our primary identity as a child is so incredibly important. Because... If we think about, I mean, and I have experience in all these things. I have experience of being in a Pentecostal church, being a Pentecostal pastor, thinking about the authority of the believer. And I love the authority of the believer. But man, if you get too deep in the authority of the believer, uh, there's a lot of pressure in that, and you strut around like a little banny rooster. I mean, it's just the truth. It's the truth. If you lose sight of your childness, if you lose sight that the primary identity, the primary way of things is that God's your Father. And I, I, I've been a vineyard pastor, and I, I actually love the vineyard, and I have no bones to pick about it at all. I love my time there. But I also know that, that uh, the whole idea about the kingdom and about uh, praying for the sick and the deliverance and all that stuff... Um, there's something to be gained by knowing that you're a child of the Father when you're doing that. There's something to be gained. And I, I, I am super excited 
about us engaging as fully as we can with all of the things that the Bible reveals and promises. But it was a son, it was Jesus the child that introduced all those things to the world. He was the one that was praying for the sick. He was the one that was uh, operating in the extension of the kingdom as, behold, the son of my love. Listen to him. The kingdom that we're transferred into is called the kingdom of the son of his love. So as a father sitting at the head of this kingdom, as a father's heart being the motivating factor of this kingdom, I just believe there's something fantastic for us. So knowing the father is Jesus' primary gift to us. Here's a passage of scripture that I think speaks to that. It's in Matthew 11, 25 and 27. At that time, Jesus spoke out and said, I give you fullest thanks, Father, Lord of heaven and Lord of earth, because you hid these things from the wise and the sagacious. Okay, this is David Bentley Hart's translation. And where else can you read and use the word sagacious? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, all right. That's a, that's a little plug for Dr. Hart. You hid these things from the wise and sagacious and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because such was pleasing before you. All things were delivered to me by my Father. And then here is one of the most stunning scriptures and uh, stunning declarations in Scripture. And um, I think we need to spend more time thinking about it. All things were delivered to me by my Father. Which things? All things. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Who? No one. No one. Now, I don't even know how to process that when I first started thinking about it and reading about it. Then it goes on to say, and neither does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal Him. Think about that with me for a moment. Look at these verses. I give you fullest thanks, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. This is Jesus speaking. You hid these things from the wise and the sagacious and revealed them to infants. How big a deal is childness? We are the object of revelation of, of the intent of the Father. He, he has communicated that intent with us. Yes, Father, because such was pleasing before you. All things were delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And neither does anyone know the Father except the Son. Stop there. And a guy named Baxter Kruger, who I appreciate theologically quite a lot, he said, this is a pretty exclusive club. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. Now, if you're like me when I first heard it and read it and thought about it and then started hearing people talk about it, heard Baxter talk about it, if you guys are like like that, like me, you're going to go, but people know the Son. I mean, uh, His disciples, they didn't know Him. People know the Father. But the, the mechanics of what's being said here is so important. No one knows the Son except the Father, and neither does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes or chooses to reveal Him. Yeah. That word that's translated infants? Uh-huh. Something we can used to equal child or children? It would be a form of child. It, it probably is uh, nepios. Otherwise, I, I, I haven't looked it up. 
Nepios is a, is a non-speaking infant, uh, but I can, I can look it up fairly shortly and let you know if we have time. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the child, the picture of children in the Greek, uh, starts with Nepios and then, uh, it goes to Pedia and Technon and then Huios. Huios is the one that's most commonly associated with, uh, a son and a, a growing child, a mature child. Technon and Pedia are two different words that are often used for little boys, little girls, uh, children. I think Technon has uh, a little narrower range than Pedion, and then Nepios is is designed by a non-speaking child, which would, why he would probably translate it infant. So it's used in several different ways in different places. Um, no one knows the, the son except the father, and neither does anyone know the father except the son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal Him. So, here's one thing I want you to take away from that, and this is why I ask you if you would be willing, uh, whether you knew about it before service or not, if you'd be willing to share with me something, uh, share with us, something of your revelation of the Father. Something you think about the Father, something you know about the Father, something you've heard the Father say, or you've, you felt the Father say, or something like that. It could be when you're praying, it could be in a prophetic word, it could be in the scriptures, it could be anywhere, in anything like that. So we're going to be doing that in just a second. Let me see where I'm at here next. Uh, so no one, this is John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. The one who is uniquely God, who is in the Father's breast, that one has declared Him. Now, you're not going to hear a lot of Christian sermons about no one has ever seen God. <laughs> because the whole point is we're, we're wanting to see God. We're wanting to know God. Nevertheless, in the introduction to John's Gospel, he makes this point. Now, it's not that nobody's seen God. It's that the one that is uniquely God who is in the Father's breast, that one has declared Him, has exegeted Him, has explained Him, another translation says. Righteous Father, this is Jesus praying in John 17. The cosmos also did not know you, but I knew you. I knew you. What is, it, what is the significance that Jesus knew the Father? It's because He came from the Father. He brought that knowledge to the earth. A knowledge that wasn't very clear and wasn't very sharp, and wasn't in very much focus. And you can tell that when you read in the Old Testament. God was in focus. The people of Israel, Yahweh over Israel. God is represented by Torah. God is represented by law. God is represented by ceremony. But this idea of father and child, not much. A little bit. A little bit. There are some who were intimate and close, but not much. Righteous Father, the cosmos did not know you, but I knew you. And these know you have sent me forth. And your name I have made known and will make known to them. What a powerful promise. This is at the end of Jesus' prayer in John 17 to his Father as he is preparing his disciples for his arrest and crucifixion. And as he is preparing them literally for the shift in the whole of the cosmos because if you think about what went on right after this, he goes across the Kidron Valley, he gets arrested, he gets crucified, he raises from the dead, and then later on the Scripture reveals and tells us everything changed in that process. Principalities and powers were defeated. All the others, uh, all of that one system of government 
was, was passing away. A new covenant was instilled. And this is, this is what's going on. I have made you known, and I will make you known. Who? To? Not just the disciples. Because he just said before, I don't just pray for those, these guys. I'm praying for everybody that's going to believe in me because of the word. That's all that apostolic writing that went on. That's the New Covenant. That's the New Testament. Jesus said in John 14, If you had known me, you would also have recognized my Father. But then he goes on, because that could just be a corrective thing, like he said to the Pharisees. You've never seen his form, never heard his voice. But he didn't say that. He said, if you had known me, conditional corrective, If you had known me, you would have also recognized my Father. From this moment, you know and have seen Him. So Jesus took it on Himself with His life, with His revelation, with His teaching, with His death and resurrection, with His ascension. He has taken it on Himself. And then, of course, later, uh, well, before this, actually, before that passage of Scripture, just one bit, He explains the role of the Holy Spirit to make Him known. And make the Father known. He says, the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He's going to uh, take everything the Father's given me and make it known to you. And oh, by the way, the Father's given me everything. So the, the question is, or, you know, the, the, the statement is how we know our Father. We know it because Jesus has declared Him. We know it, and we could plug in other verses, Hebrews chapter 1. And times past in various ways, God spoke to the, uh, in the prophets and the fathers, but in these last days, He's spoken in His Son. Um, righteous Father, the cosmos didn't know you, but I've made your name known, and I will make it known. That pushes this promise right up to today, right to your neighbors, right to your families, right to everybody on the face of the earth. And then, this transitional moment, from this moment, you know and have seen it. And then, if you know, immediately following this, he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the fact that I will not leave you as an orphan. I will be with you. And that I'm going to be my Father. You know, all the teaching he does in John 14, 15, 16 about that. All right. So, the mic is open. Zoom is open. Uh, somebody share a revelation of the Father that you have. And nobody's going to pick on you. You're not going to have to defend it theologically. You're not going to have to... That's not the point. I just want to hear something that you have experienced with or know about the Father. Okay. Alan, are you are you ready? All right, go ahead. Been 16 years ago when I had depression and got real with God, the journey was with the Father. And um, even though I abused him all night, um, I heard his voice the next day when he said to me, as clear as anything, when I dug in, I wasn't going anywhere until I heard his voice, that he said, my name, he said, Alan, he says, or he said, Al, he said, I love you. And and that was, that was a change in everything that just transformed my life. And I think, I believe that, through my journey, it's always been with Papa. I've called him Dad. I've called him, him God. I've called him Papa now. And and it's that relationship we have, we can have with him that he desires to have with us. Well, 12 months ago, I was coming back. From, I might have mentioned this before, but I was coming back from my cousin's funeral in Sydney. And 
I said to Papa, I said, Papa, I, I talk too much. <laughs> I said, what is it that you want to reveal to me? And I heard him so clearly in my, in my thoughts because I know his voice, so I recognise his voice. And he said, Al, he said, my people don't do the first commandment very well. He says, my people do not do first commandment very well. Okay. And the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your strength. And he said to me, but he said, how can people, how can you love someone when you don't know them? And, and that's what he said to me, that how can you love someone when you don't love know them? And that's my big push now is to know the Father and to get others to know the Father. It's not my relationship with Papa, it's everyone, it's your relationship with Papa. And and to know him, to hear his voice, to know who I am. And and that's what he says. And he said, because of that, it, the, the flow on is also if you if you don't know how much you're loved by the Father, you're not going to do the first the second commandment, which Jesus took down to two, you to, to love your neighbor yourself. But but probably to finish off is that now my life, the seven-year-old boy in Papa's hand. It was funny you were talking about as an infant because, you know, my, my life is now in the, at night time I crawl into his lap, but in the morning I crawl onto his shoulders and I wave my sword. And he even revealed the next part to me. He said, it's like when, when I wave the sword, we go and kill the giants together. And he's laughing and I'm laughing. It's not, it's not, not an effort. We, we just do this together during the day and I don't know how he does it. But he then revealed that when my children were, were little and we had piñatas and they used to wave the sticks anyway, it was my job holding them to get them to hit the target. And he reminded me of David and Goliath. When, when David swung that stone, he was never going to miss Goliath because Papa had it lined up. And it was sort of, Wow. So I'm just madly waving this sword as a seven-year-old kid on Papa's shoulders every day, and he lines me up to bring truth and to bring life into people's lives. And I think, wow, that's amazing. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Tim? Yeah, this, is a, this has been an important journey for me with the father relationship. I, I know Larry and several of the people that know me <laughs> for this many years know this this was important for me. Probably the last three or four years, there's been a change in that. Uh, I could re really easily relate to Jesus and his love and the Holy Spirit and her love, but I, I really had a difficult time with the father relationship. My own uh, personal relationship with my father wasn't a good one. Um, he was abusive physically and uh, emotionally. Um, he wasn't one that built up, he was one that teared down. Um, I've learned through the years to be able to forgive him for that, and that was a, a great relief for me, and I actually had to forgive him at the grave, um, but it was a very moving experience with my mother and with Meg, and I was able to do that, and, and it helped a lot, but it didn't solve everything. That relationship was what it was, and how did I know what the relationship with God the Father was going to be? Mm -hmm. I didn't. You know, I could only look at what that relationship was like, and I couldn't really see that he was going to be this loving father. But from then, that relationship. 
Pardon? Not from that relationship. Not from that relationship. And that's all I had to go by, you know. A little bit I could see some friends had very special relationships with their father. It was close. It was fun. And I would envy those relationships. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to be for me. And, um, and then I got a hold of a lot of the teaching, a lot of it yours, in the Bible studies when we discussed the relationship with father. When Dan Moeller talked because he had an abusive father yeah and he was able to forgive his father and he was able to love the lord with all of his heart and that was breakthrough for him but he was always like that god just moved him that way and then the scripture even one of the scriptures you shared today 14 john 14 7 if you know me you know the father well i did know jesus mm -hmm. i had a good relationship right. with him and if he's saying the father's like me i believe that yeah and then, of course, my favorite scripture, I am in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Okay, I said, oh, well, that's different, you yeah. know. So that's a Father that loved Jesus, that also loves me, and he's in me. Amen. And it made all the difference. I, I just look at the whole relationship now as he really loves me. My favorite worship song now is when our worship team sings Good, Good Father. Good, Good Father. Yeah. Because he is a good, good father. I know he truly does love me. He loves everybody, you know, and without exception. Praise so God. That's, Praise God. that's great. Okay. Uh, anybody got just like a, 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 Dave, what we're doing is just, I'm just trying to hear a collection of revelation of the father, of daddy, of papa, whoever. So even if it's just like a one line thing or anything, it, it's totally cool. Jen. Well, I, I can relate to uh, Tim's past quite a bit, so I don't need to repeat that. But um, as I was telling you last week, uh, it was always easy to relate to Jesus, and that's who I really focused on in, in praying. And um, God was still a bit at a arm's length just because of, uh, not only because of, dysfunction with you know my relationship with my dad but um just things you were taught about god that stuck with you that kind of kept that sense of distance and it didn't feel um warm and inviting like jesus did so i had them kind of segmented in like different categories um but when you when you see that Jesus is the exact rep representation of the Father, and you start to meld those more together, so long story short, I will just say that several years ago, um, someone that was mentoring me uh, just encouraged me to hone in on that relationship, and really, I just prayed that hindrances would would be moved and he just began to reveal himself in such a um, just such an intimate way now I relate to father um, as I was telling you the other day I focus more on father now uh, than Jesus and uh, it's just a it's a whole different dynamic I have felt like a child like never before with him now, just the way, um, feeling his affirmation, feeling specialness. Mm -hmm. um, God's got a sense of humor. Um, it's it's just a real fun 
way to um, Praise God. experience him. Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we're just, we are hardwired above all else to know the connection, especially as children of the father, the, you know, we should know the protection of the father, the comfort of the father. Um, and like Tim and Jen, I uh, also had a, you know, a situation growing up where it was a very broken relationship. And for me, it wasn't really until a couple of years ago that I recognized I was kind of carrying around in me a, like a void that had never been filled by the the love and the encouragement and just the the union of of the father. And so for me, I, I just I remember one day I just had this revelation that my heavenly father was perfect. And I got fixated on this idea that I was literally my heavenly father is perfect. I am perfectly loved. And I, it, wow, it, it, it took a bit to, to kind of wrap my, my uh, heart and mind around. But as that kind of developed in me over the course of the next few weeks, it, it was, it was entirely transformative and it, it filled in the gaps that had been missing in my life uh, since childhood. Um, so it's, it's for me, it's recognizing that I have now a perfect father that I can trust. On Zoom, have you had that revelation where it, it has been revealed to you that your father's perfect? And, and has anybody else been delivered from the, uh, what would you call it, the vulnerability, the wincing, the protectiveness of having a bad father where that's been lifted off of you? Cool. Yeah, Dave, come on up. Show me some hands on either of those two up in Zoom, too, so I can see. Okay, cool. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. So one of the, Pull it up to uh, the mic up just a little bit. The latest revelation I've had with Daddy is... There's one. <laughs> Daddy, right? Okay. Is I don't have to hold on to him. He's holding on to me. <laughs> he always has me. I had an experience last week that was... And I, I talked to you about it. Yeah. Um, and the guy was shooting at people. And he had shot at me the day before. Except we were Oh, about, he followed up. I didn't know that he had shot yeah, they at did people arrest, the next day. Yeah, he shot at this guy from his house. And that's why they went in and got him. Got him. Okay. And so he was about a little closer than this. Than, and make a long story short, as I was turning away, I was saying, Daddy, don't let him shoot me in the back. Daddy, don't let him shoot me in the back. Daddy, don't let him shoot me in the back. Dave got drawn in. Dave works over at Goodwill, and he got drawn into this uh, family situation um, it, without going into the whole story. And he walked away with a couple lessons. One, the daddy's good. And second, don't go where I don't send you. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those lessons where daddy said, see, don't go where I don't send you. But he took care of me anyway. Yep. And that... As I thought about that, and he helped me come through that whole situation, you know, the just the emotional, I was getting headaches and everything from it and stuff like that. And daddy just brought me through that situation. And and the 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 bottom line of that is, David, I am never gonna let you go. I'm wow. always here. Wow, wow. Now you know, 
You could have, you could have discerned that straight from Scripture, right? By nothing can separate me from the love of God and all this kind of stuff. But it's different when it's your revelation, right? Amen. Amen. Anybody else got one? Laurel's coming. She's moving at a brisk pace. <laughs> I did, me, me personally, I did uh, separate from Jesus when I got the revelation that God was good in me and loves me. And so I think I'm looking forward to maybe a little further def definition of from the Father. And I look forward to that when that'll happen. But the revelation that God is good, just period, was so simple. It seems almost embarrassing to say, but it's it's good. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that he's in me, that I did relate more, I think, to specifically to Jesus. Um, but I don't exclude the Father in that. And then the the fact that he's in me and still and knows everything about me, but yet still loves me the way he does is pretty amazing. So that, that kind of overrides everything. Laurel? Yeah. So um, I, many years ago, asked each of the Trinity persons <laughs> to reveal how they wanted to reveal themselves to me. Is that in the worship? It was, yeah. yep. Mm -hmm. In worship school. And, uh, and I didn't remember them. Periodically, they would come back to me, and they've always come back to me when I needed them most. But the Father's uh, was, I, I'm actually not real thrilled with water, like water, going in the water, going to the ocean, not my thing. I'm pretty terrified, actually. I kind of turned sheet white. And yet that the Father... Um, I had asked him to reveal himself to me, how he wanted to reveal himself to me and how I should relate to him. And he had created that river and he used that scene from Lord of the Rings, the first movie, where um, she's got Frodo on the horse and she calls forth the ocean, the rivers, they turn into the horses and they, you know, they take out the Nazgul. I don't know if you've seen that movie. If not, spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you haven't seen it by now, you're missing out. But <laughs> It's a little bit like the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. Correct. Right? In the movie and they and, come uh, in and taking them out. Yeah. And so what he, he said, I, it was just at that moment, it was just, I'd walked up to this lake thing. I thought it was a lake. Maybe it was a stream. But, uh, and he was like, just get in. And I was like, but I don't, I don't like the water. And he was like, that's okay. Get in. And like, I felt like, like almost like he had created this like tube that I could sit on, like an inner tube, you know, but it was all made out of the water. Okay. And so I climb in there and he's like, <laughs> sorry, Dave. I thought I'd get through this one because this is the easy one. So he was like covering me because I saw those horse things coming. Right. And he was like, I'm going to protect you and you don't need to worry about that because that's me too. And what it made me realize is that he was it all. The father was it all. So I could get in anywhere in the lake and I was going to be protected by the things that I thought I should be afraid of, but I didn't need to be afraid of because the Lord was in all of the, the father specifically was in all of those things. And so even though those horses were coming and they rode over our, my little bubble in the water. I was totally at peace. I was totally calm. I was relaxed, but yet I was still, he still made it known that 
even in those things, he was it all. He was the grass. He was me stepping into the river. He was in the river. He was those horses, and, and they were coming, and he was bringing that stuff to take care of the fear. So that's kind of my thing with the Father. Praise God. <laughs> so, you know. All right, anybody else? Any little short one-liners? We're, we're, we're running out of time. Like uh, a name, uh, uh, the way he thinks about you, looks at you. Richard? A one-liner. Mine was just like Alan's. Um, he just said, Richard, I just simply love you. I just love you. Praise God. How many have had that revelation? Really, I mean, I mean as a revelation. So I was at a, uh, I have a Bible study with some guys back on the East Coast on, on Tuesday. And uh, the teacher said, let's see if I wrote it down here. Um, hmm. I was praying for somebody that I'd committed to pray for, and I was lifting them into the affection of the Father. And, and, and I don't know how to describe it, and I don't want to take too much longer doing it, but I was just lifting them up, kind of like being in Father's lap or his bosom, being hugged or whatever. And I, I said, is it that I want to lift this person to you again and lift them into your presence and into an experience of your affection? But is such a prayer action appropriate? I just asked him this question. This was on Wednesday morning after the study Tuesday. And the Lord came back and said this to me. He said, uh, the Father, he, he said, you're asking because of what the teacher said last night about the idea of crawling up into my lap and snuggling in affection not being a biblical one, which he did say. And don't think too ill of him. Uh, probably context going on. But uh, I said, well, uh, yeah, I think that's why I'm asking. I think so, you know. And he says, what do you think it means to lean against your mother like a weaned child? Referring to Psalms 131. And I said, I think it means setting my heart in a position of trust and security near you in your welcome and your embrace and resting in your love and affection. How do you think of it? And he said, I enjoy times like that with you and with my children. And I said, well, if you enjoy it and... I need such times, uh, such images, and, and it seems biblical in Psalms 31. I guess I want it, and I want it for others. And I felt like the Lord said, I want it for you and for others. And yes, you may speak of the person you're praying for. Uh, and then he said, when you're at your next study, ask this question and listen, because it'll be good for both you and the teacher. So anyway, it, it was just a dialogue about the affection. And I understand people think that, you know, stuff can get crazy. And, and I, I sometimes worry about too personal images, too intimate, all this kind of stuff. But Dave, Dave is making a case for the biblicalness of crawling up in Papa's lap. I agree with you, by the way. I got, the first time I got a, 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 a snuggling up in daddy's lap was from John's position on Yeshua's chest while they were eating. Because that to me is, I'm not a parent. And, you know, I could see Yeshua eating and John eating. And I thought of parents and children and how busy that can be and how, but Yeshua didn't mind. Yeah. It was cool. And so that was, that was the beginning of my revelation yeah. of crawling up in daddy's lap. Because yeah. that's where he wants me. Well, okay. And so this is, that's a perfect segue into me wrapping up. So I have one more th thing on a slide here. And these are all beautiful. I mean, I mean, gosh, Laurel, taking that imagery of the water and just knowing that 
you know, the only water we used when we were young was to, to drink or something like that. I mean, I want you to look at this. Can you see that your simple awareness of the Father or your love for the Father as the Father or the image in your heart and mind of the Father is an undeniable testimony of Jesus' own life being shared with you. Dave, I would only correct one thing you said. The revelation of crawling into daddy's lap didn't really begin with you reading that scripture. It really began when Jesus revealed the nature of the Father to his disciple John. That's when it really began. Who reveals the Father? Jesus reveals the Father. I would say that 80% of our insecurity about whether we're acceptable before God, whether we're loved by God, on a moment-by-moment basis, if you have like chronic insecurity, this could heal most of it. If you're more like me when you act uh, like an idiot and do boneheaded things or you sin in a way that you thought you were done with or whatever, and then there's the, the, the shame and the guilt that follows that, the temptation to believe that. And then you start to think, well, this, you know, uh, what's it like? I mean, this, you know, or when you go someplace you're not sent, or, you know, anything like that. I think 80% of that would go away if we revealed, I mean, if we understood that just the mere fact that it matters to me that he's my father is a testimony nobody can deny that Jesus lives in me and is sharing His life with me and with you. We're not struggling to be kept, as Dave said. We're not struggling to to find the right doctrinal expression. Good grief! I know there's places where uh, Laurel's image or just the whole idea, well, God's love, but He's not just love. He's also justice and judgment and all this kind of stuff. Okay, None of that, none of that has any power or any authority to speak against the testimony of this revelation of the Father. Alan, your revelation of the Father is guaranteed testimony that the life of the Son, why? Because no one knows the Father except the Son and the one's He's willing to reveal him to. So, who are you? I'm somebody Jesus proved to be willing to reveal. Right? Our standing, what God thinks of us, how we are viewed by Christ, what the Holy Spirit is commissioned to do. We don't have time to go there. I'm going to wrap up. But I so appreciate you guys sharing. The Holy Spirit is sent, in Romans it says, because you are sons. Not to make you a son. Because you are sons. The Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Daddy, in us. That revelation, Richard, as simple as it was, as simple as it is, it is a screaming testimony against all and 
other evidence in every accusation, everything that the enemy would bring against us, everything that the flesh would throw up. It is a testimony that Jesus has shared his life with you because you could not know that if the only one who knew it didn't give it to you. We share the life of the only one. In the Scripture, I don't think I've got another slide. Nope. So the, I should have had one more slide. The words that follow in John um, 11, 17 there, 11, 20, as it moves down, when, when Jesus says uh, that no one knows the Father except uh, the Son and those He's willing to reveal Him to, the very next line, that's not a restrictive phrase. The very next line is this. So, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come. And he goes on to say, I do have it marked here. Let me read it because it's, it's worth it and we'll close with that. All things were delivered to me by my Father. You were one of those things. I'm one of those things. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and neither does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal Him. Then he says this. Here's the criteria for that. Come to me, all who toil and are burdened, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me, because I am gentle and accommodating in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is mild and my burden is light. Forgetting about my childness, I have, at times in the past, gone to great lengths trying to explain what the yoke and the burden of the Lord is. It's so light. And it's because I divorced my thought from the verses that he was just talking about. Jesus' yoke is knowing his Father. It's being linked to his Father. It's being loved by his Father. It's being adored by his Father. It's having the glory that he asked to be put back on him that I had with you before the foundation of the world. That's the burden. That's the yoke. That's what Jesus carries, and he carries it in us. He carries it in you. And so the least inkling of an image of the Father or of his love that you have is a screaming testimony that's louder than the voice of the devil and demons. It's louder than the voices of doubt and flesh. It carries infinitely more authority than any of those because the only place you could get that image, that faith, that conversion to him over the natural image of a father, the only place in all of the cosmos that it can come from is the one who is the only one who knows the father. And it's proof that he's willing to live in our lives and share his love. I want you to think about that because it is outrageously affirming about God's love for you and for me. Outrageously so. And that is why the message of the gospel is that the Father loves folks. Amen? Amen. 